Hey guys, today we're going to talk about Nimza Indian Defense. Nimza Indian Defense stands as a reward choice for black, then facing the queen's pawn opening and unfolds with the moves d4 e6, c4 knight f6, knight c3, bishop b4. This innovative hypermodern system emerged as a result of the brilliant contributions of Aaron Nimzevich in the 1920s. Nimtsovich sought to apply the principles and concepts of hypermodernism, which he famously detailed in his influential book My System. The opening embodies the hypermodern philosophy by allowing black to exert pressure on the center from a distance, utilizing the power of the pieces instead of occupying it with pawns. It quickly gained recognition and acceptance among top players due to its flexibility and rich positional ideas, and it stood the test of the time. Talking about winning percentages on both sides, the win rate for white would be 30%, draw rate would be 46%, and win for black would be only 24%. The main ideas of Nimzo Indian Defense. The starting moves of the Nimzo Indian Defense follow a very simple logic and the classical chess principles, making it easy to adopt the opening. Black's two minor pieces are already developed the knight on f6 is controlling the e4 square with the help of bishop spin on the c3 knight, and black is only one move away from castling kingside, while white needs at least four moves to tuck the king away from the center. The pin on the c3 knight is one of the crucial features of the Nimzo Indian defense. Firstly, the spin reduces white's control over the e4 square, which is the critical key square in this opening, and Black's main game plans revolve around maintaining control over that square. Moves like Black Pawn b6 or Black Bishop b7 or Black Pawn d5 are the typical ways Black strengthens his grip on the key square. Secondly, the Bishop on b4 is constantly threatening to capture on c3, ruining White's pawn structure with double pawns on the c-file and isolated pawn on the a-file. These two themes reveal Black's main ideas to achieve in the opening, putting pressure on the doubled pawn by targeting them with usually b6, bishop a6, or and knight c6, knight a5. At the same time, Black usually strives to lock down the center to dampen white's bishop pair with Power moves like d6, c5, and d5. Black also has the luxury of initiating an aggressive play with dynamic moves in order to exploit the fact that white needs a lot of time to castle. Now let's touch the theoretical lines of Nimza Indian defense. The main starting position of the opening is reached after the sequence d4, knight f6, c4, e6 white knight c3, black bishop b4. But black should keep in mind that white may try to deviate from it by playing knight f3 on the third move, which is called anti-Nimzo Indian. After white knight f3 on the third move, black slightly alters his continuation and puts pressure on c4 with black pawn b6, white pawn g3, bishop a6. However, if white is willing to face the Nimzo Indian defense after third move, white knight c3, black bishop b4, 
White has an abundance of choice of moves. At least nine of the possible moves for White are considered reasonable options. Among them are Rubenstein system with e3, which is also the main line, and the classical variation with queen c2. The Kmoch variation with f3 pawn for White's at fourth move is the most popular sideline. But a3, Samish variation with the idea to resolve the pin immediately would also be a sensible reaction. The idea of being prepared against all the days white can react to black bishop before on the third move might feel overwhelming for black at first, but the key ideas are usually the same across the various variations. Let's start with the classical variation, started with black bishop before and third move, followed the white queen c2. The big idea behind queen c2 is to prevent wild doubling pawns on the c-file in case black captures on c3. The drawback of this move is that white wastes time with another move on the queen side and loses the time. Black usually just completes his king side development with castling and fourth move and white prioritizes resolving the issue regarding the pin by playing a3 pawn at the fifth move, forcing black to decide between the capture and the retreat. Retreating the bishop does not make any sense, so black trades off the minors on c3. With black bishop takes c3, white queen takes c3. In the resulting position, it is clear that black has a significant lead in the development as white still needs at least four moves to castle kingside. From now on, both sides will fight over control of the e4 square. At 6th move for blacks, b6, d6, d5 are all valid choices for black. For example, d5, 7th move, white knight f3, d pawn takes c4, white queen takes c4, b6, white bishop g5, black bishop a6. And now the concrete idea behind the 7th move, black pawn takes c4 becomes clear. Black's light squared bishop makes white's life harder, as plain e3 would allow black to exchange bishops on f1 and white would lose the right to castle. On the other hand, castling queenside is nothing more than playing with fire. All these moves could be touched by you interactively on our website chessdoctrine.com. Please don't hesitate to visit it and you'll be able to really take your studies of chess to completely another level. So on our website you'll be <clears throat> able to see that black would be also doing perfectly fine after 6th move chosen d6 for black, 7th move white bishop g5, black knight b goes d7, e3, b6, bishop d3, bishop b7. The most common continuation in the classical variation is, however, b6 for blacks on the 6th move, with the idea to focus more on the critical e4 square. After white bishop d5, black bishop b7, f3, white wants to claim e4. Black pawn h6, white bishop h4, d5. Both sides would be fighting over the control of the e4 square. It is also worth nothing that all of white's king side pieces are still in their initial starting positions.
Another variation is Samish variation, which starts with a3 on the fourth move of whites. The urge to resolve the tension on the queen side as rapidly as possible is quite reasonable. The idea of Fritz Samich, which is based on the intention, is to provoke the capture of c3 with a3, with the prospect of steamroll of white's pawns in the center. For that reason, white does not mind the double pawns on c3, which occur after black bishop takes c3, b pawn takes c3. Black wants to interfere, white achieving his dream scenario in the center and aggressively challenges white with c5 on the fifth move without losing further time. Capturing c5 is not something white would even consider as the tripled pawns on c5 will only be a liability rather than an asset. So a natural follow-up for both sides with regards to their objective would be White pawn e3 on 6th move, preparing to castle, black knight c6, white bishop d3, castling for blacks, white knight e2. The knight can go to g3 to support e4. 8th move for black would be b6, e4 for whites, black knight e8 with anticipation of f5. On 10th move, white castling, black bishop a6, moves like f5 or knight a5 are on the black's agenda. You can see it all on our website chessdoctrine.com. Now let's get to the Rubinstein variation, which starts with e3 by white on the fourth move. The main line of the Nimzo Indian defense is e3, the Rubinstein variation, which reasons that provoking black's bishop on b4 with moves like a3 on fourth move by whites is unnecessary and instead this time should be spent on catching up in the development and e3 is simply preparing the kingside castle. White's next moves in this regard are quite predictable. After black castling on fourth move, white bishop d3, d5, knight f3, c5, castling by white. The resulting position is quite balanced for both sides and the structure can still take any shape. If black is in the mood to play against an isolated queen's pawn, black can reach such a structure easily with c pound takes d4, e pound takes d4, d pound takes c4, white bishop takes c4. Now the plans need to be reviewed and adapted according to the necessities of the position. Since white's pawn on d4 is an asset in the middle game, white will look for any chance to create skirmish on black's king. The d5 break is topical, so black will consider placing the light bishop on b7. Next variation is Kmoj variation. So, alternatively, white can reinforce the move e4 straightforwardly with f3, which black will try to prevent with d5. After a3, black bishop takes c3, b pawn takes c3, black needs to play as energetically as possible. For example, on sixth move for black, pawn c5, c pawn takes d5. Black knight takes d5, d pawn takes c5, black queen a5, trying to maintain initiative. To sum up, let's talk about pros and cons of Nimzo Indian defense. So, in pros, we'd put offers a high degree of flexibility in structure and peace placement. 
provides significant lead in development, especially on the king side. Developed pieces give black attacking chances. On the other hand, cons are the fact that black concedes center to white, giving white a space advantage in the early stages of the game. White often gets the bishop pair due to the exchange on c3. Open positions will favor white. In conclusion, I'd like to say that the widespread popularity of the Nimzo Indian defense across all levels of chess is a testament to its reliability and effectiveness. For beginners and intermediate players, this opening serves as an excellent tool for owning their skills and improving their overall chess understanding. Its flexibility exposes players to a wide range of positions and strategic ideas, helping them develop a versatile playing style. At higher levels, the Nimzo Indian defense possess serious challenges to white from the very early stages of the game, providing black with opportunities to seize the initiative and dictate the course of play. That's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website, chessdoctrine.com, and use our interactive chess boards where you can see all the positions we're talking about in our podcast. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.